Welcome to the HR Empowerment Podcast, where we will uncover strategies and new insights from HR professionals who discuss up-to-date regulations, best practices, and the most pressing topics like diversity and equity, leadership, dealing with difficult situations, and much more that affect your bottom line and business. Thanks for joining us. Hi, everybody. Wendy Sellers here, the HR lady. Welcome back to our podcast series. Today, or this week, I should say, we're going to talk about the great resignation and how it's not new. It really isn't. It's a complete myth that the great resignation is new. But furthermore, what I really want to get into is what to do about it. You are going to hear from myself and my friend and co-host in this series, JC, and we are going to go over the myth from people are lazy and do not want to work to the fact that we have less people in the USA of working age. Uh, Also, we're going to openly discuss how people are fed up with low pay, no advancement and development, and quite honestly, being treated like a cog that is abused, hopefully not at your organization. And then the last two sections of uh, the podcast are going to discuss, you know, what can we as employers, as leaders, as HR professionals do about it? And then finally, which is super important, How do you get your executives to listen and take action? Let's jump in. In order to create, ultimately at the end of the day, in order to create a harmonious work environment where everyone feels included and valued, managers who are culturally competent focus on building a diverse and inclusive culture within their organizations is very important to establish that culture early on. If you didn't get a chance to do it in the interview, you have a chance to do it every day that you're on the job. It's just a matter of taking that right stance to do so. Now, as a leader, you may ask yourself, where do I start? How do I get my executives to listen and take action at the end of the day? It's going to cost us too much money to train everybody. It's going to cost us too much time to reinforce some of these values and try to move that needle from A to B within the culture and the organization, Wendy. What do you say to that? How do I start? Where do I start? Where does the journey begin? Yeah, it's, it's a tough one. It really is because every organization is different um, and every executive team and decision maker is different. And so you got you to gotta figure out with whoever the decision makers are, what, um, what appeals to them. Uh, let's face it, it's usually the bottom line, but it's not always. I don't want to go and say, um, you know, every executive only cares about the bottom line. A smart executive knows that the bottom line is affected by employees and therefore we have to care about employees. Uh, but sometimes you have to lead them there. Um, you know, the, how about you start with getting feedback from employees that are leaving? And I don't even mean just the ones that are resigning voluntarily. Also, the ones that are being terminated, maybe because of poor performance, poor behavior, whatever it might be, you still should ask them, how did you feel here? Um, you know, obviously, you were, you were removed from the organization or you're being removed from the organization. How could we have supported you better? And, and then listen. Uh, not all your employees who are being terminated are actually going to want to tell you the truth. And then not all your employees who quit. Um, are going to want to tell you the truth because they don't want to burn bridges. And that is 
Uh, I don't blame some of them, depending on the company that they're working for, you know, yeah, yeah. but it's all about how you ask the questions. But, you know, we really have to find out why are people leaving and then what can we do to fix that? If it's compensation, then we need to do a compensation survey. Um, we need to make sure we do a compensation analysis. And in order to do a compensation analysis, you have to actually have job descriptions, job descriptions that are current and are not from 1990. And so, you know, it depends on what you have. You may start unraveling things. So when clients come to me and ask me what you're asking me, I first start saying, okay, what do you have in place? Do you have job descriptions? Let me see them. Are they really job descriptions? Are they outdated? Um, are they, you know, are they true job descriptions that we're going to use for interviewing people? And then we're going to use to hold people accountable throughout their career here. And then with those job descriptions, I see this all too much too, is people say, I want them to have six years of experience of this skill that just came out four months ago <laughs> <laughs> or right, of this technology right. that was just developed. Right. And we have these pie in the sky ideas that, Ideally, we want this person to have this much experience and speak this language and this language too, and be able to do this, that, and the other thing. And then I come in and say, okay, ideally, that's fabulous. But how about realistically, knowing that everybody else, all our competitors are looking for the same exact person. So let's be realistic and say, ideally, five years, realistically, two years, we'll do the training on the rest. You started something. to touch on something absolutely amazing. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the, the, the basic premise there, honing in on the job descriptions, honing in on your core business a little bit, being realistic with the information that you're putting out there. Let's take that one step further. Let's hit that gas and just go one step further to a place Wendy doesn't even know I'm ready to go to. But here it comes, <laughs> Wendy. Former U.S. President Woodrow Wilson once said, if you want to make enemies, try to change something. And Wilson's statement is probably true for anyone who's worked in business process improvement at any point in their career. It's not easy to bring about change in a company, and you have to actually work against long-established habits and behaviors. And this actually involves people, and a majority of people will accept a change if they understand the problem and why they can't keep doing the things the way that they've always done them. Let me repeat that one last part here, because it's so critically important. A majority of people will accept change if they understand the problem and why they can't keep doing things the way that they've always done them. If you take right. that and you think about what Wendy was saying a little while ago, bringing the, bringing the executives up, improving the emotional intelligence, bringing the business to a different layer and level, understanding the basic infrastructure of your existing business process so that you can pinpoint what that improvement is and then pivot that entire thing. Stay strategically aligned between human resources and, and that C-suite and get that leadership path heading down a brand new avenue and, and just get that buy-in across the board. Effective and proper communication and let everyone know and understand what that problem is and why you can't keep doing it the way you've always done. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Sorry, thank you I went so much down, for bringing I went that down up. a rabbit hole there. <laughs> no, it's perfect. It actually wraps in what I was talking about before about what, you know, based on these surveys, what employees want their managers to give them more of. And it's communication, development, and motivation. 
So yeah. communicate with me why the change is necessary. Make me understand at my level. Uh, then develop me, train and develop me so that I can uh, affect that change and I can get that new skill or uh, implement that new skill you want me to have. And then motivate me. Why do I want to change what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis? And the motivation shouldn't be because it's your job or because if you don't do it, we'll replace you. It should really be, hey, we're all in this together and we all have to get do a little bit of things that we might necessarily not agree with, but based on all of our information and our surveys and our conversations and, and not just one person laying down the hammer, this is what we agree on as a team and we would like you to be part of it. So that's the motivation part too. It's so, so important. I actually was looking up um, uh, something while, while you were talking before, and this is called the, uh, it's the ASA model. It's called Attraction Selection Attrition. And it's, it's, it's interesting because it, um, it was proposed by uh, U.S. organizational psychologist Benjamin Schneider um, in 1938. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's he, what's he got to say? What's good old Ben got to bring? It was proposed by him in 1987. He was born in 1938. But he talks about saying, hey, people want to work for companies that have similar values to them um, and that align with their personalities, their personality styles, their personality traits, their values, and their needs. And then on the other side, employee um, organization usually employs people with the attributes that fit their culture. Ta-da! This stuff isn't new, folks. But we have to convince our executives how this is going to affect their goals, their vision, their mission, their goals for the quarter, for the month, for the week. And that usually then means that you have to do a ton of research, um, unfortunately, and that does cost time and time is money. So we started talking a little bit about the research on maybe salaries, if that's an issue. If salaries aren't an issue and you are, you know, you pay what your competitors pay, you have great benefits and people are still leaving, then what is the problem? Is it lack of leadership? Is it a lack of, um, you know, maybe they want four-day work weeks. Maybe they just don't want to work 60 hours a week, um, even though you're paying them. So it's really getting into asking employees the why and then listening and putting strategies, committees, um, internal counsel, external counsel involved to make changes in your organization so it will be successful in the long term. I love the way you're talking right now. You know why? It, it immediately stokes the flame of agile human resources because ultimately at the end of the day, agile HR, and it's not a company, ladies and gentlemen, it's, it's taking that agile manifesto and pushing that directly into the human resource realm. And that's where you believe that HR's role is to help facilitate and improve organizational agility rather than simply implement controls and standards. So the HR department's purpose and focus shift to be agile, one must very simply implement programs that foster flexibility, creativity, teamwork, and also speed. Now, traditional HR practices are based on a strict uh, hierarchy. And those structures and strict rules are standards that do not move. However, a more collaborative, iterative, and flexible approach to human resource management is promoted through Agile in HR. So companies and their leaders can create programs and initiatives that empower and engage their employees employees using Agile methodologies. 
And if you get that buy-in throughout your organization, if this is something that you're thinking about implementing or moving towards doing, or maybe even a, a portion of your business currently does this maybe in, in a, a different area, if you lift that and bring that over to the executive ranks and you start to instill something that's more collaborative, iterative, flexible in the executive ranks, you might more easily be able to get some of that executive buy-in and, and to get them listening and taking action in ways that maybe you haven't seen before. I don't know. Anyone not familiar with it, just Google it real quick. Agile in human resources. There's a whole plethora of stuff out there. If you are taking a course on that today and, and you accidentally found us through there, well, kudos to you. Chime in on the podcast. Let us know. Love to hear from you as well. Wendy, back to you. Yeah, there's. Uh, thanks for bringing up that Agile. I was on a big um, um, uh, initiative last year uh, talking about Agile HR. And it's interesting. I'm looking at an article right now from 2018 from Harvard Business Review about HR goes Agile and Agile isn't just for tech anymore. So, folks, a lot of the stuff that we're talking about, including the resignation, the you know, the great resignation, turnover, um, all of this, none of this is new. It's just that uh, I think we're, we as, as businesses are, lack of better word, desperate right now. <laughs> we're desperate for staff, we're desperate for talent, not just staff for talent, and we're desperate for people to want to uh, stay. And the, the interesting thing is, we're blaming the wrong people. We're blaming the employees when we really should be looking at the business model and the business plan and saying, okay, we need to, you know, speak to our employees where they're at. We need to ask them what they want. And then we need to see if we can give it to them. And it's okay if you can't, maybe those employees aren't supposed to be on your team, but if most of your employees want something, and I don't mean just, um, Oh, I want more money just because I want more money or, you know, they're not spoiled, but, how many organizations don't even have any kind of benefits? They don't have any kind of time off or a formal time off procedure. Um, they don't have any kind of rules. So it just, because many small businesses don't, so people just kind of run afoul, run amok on their own. And then managers are left hanging that bat, holding that bag going, I don't know what to do. You didn't give me any guidance. And so I'm winging it as well. So um, kind of like looping this, all all together because i think we're we're up on time shortly here is you know the great resignation uh it's not new it's just it hit us like a mac truck during the pandemic because of the pandemic because of the massive exodus of the baby boomers who took all of their knowledge with them even though we were hoping they they would hang around for a bit longer because that was the original plan to train everybody. And we, we business owners uh, were kind of left with egg on our face because we kept kicking that training ball down the court and that, oh, we'll give compensation another time. We'll get benefits another time. We'll do development another time. Well, that time's here. We don't have any more, any more excuses. Uh, my big ask after listening to us this week is to please, 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 um, interrupt anyone when you hear them say people don't want to work anymore or people are lazy. And please feel free to go to my blog, go to you know this podcast and look up all the statistics that say, generally speaking, that's not the truth. Ladies and gentlemen, we can't thank you enough for being here once again. People of all ages tuning in today, 
If you're coming up on retirement, might be time to get those little post-it notes out of the card catalog and get them digitized, pass that knowledge forward. You know I'm only kidding around. Hey, I'm JC. It's been a pleasure to be here, and uh, we look forward to seeing you again. Wendy, Wendy, the HR Ladies Sellers. Uh, what are some of the best ways people could continue hearing from you, Wendy, if you don't mind? Sure, of course, at this podcast, um, we will be... Uh, rolling out quite a bit of more podcasts and panels as well. If you want to be on a panel, let me know. TheHRLady.com, Wendy at TheHRLady.com, or on LinkedIn at any time. Take care, everybody, and thanks for tuning in. Thank you for joining the HR Empowerment Podcast, brought to you by Aurora Training Advantage. We hope you've gained new insight and strategies to navigate the HR profession. We look forward to you joining us again on the HR Empowerment Podcast.